the Fat Boy Show. Hey, it's the Fat Boy Show on RX Radio. How you doing today? My name is Fat Boy, and ooh, the Christmas uh, season is just uh, filling us with uh, plenty of joy today. And today, in particular, we're super excited because uh, we're going to be headed to Writers Lounge at Acacia for yet another edition of uh, the live Fat Boy Show. We're going to take uh, the show on the road and uh, we're going to take the whole crew there Olive will be there uh, Sarah, Daniel Omara myself we'll go hang out have a good time good laughs drinks eats and uh, listening to nice music hopefully uh, it will be a nice way to recharge after all of the excitement in watching the group stages of the World Cup and now as we prepare for the quarterfinals that will be kicking off on Friday why not take a moment on Thursday when your schedule is clear come let's hang out let's have a good time but that said, uh, World Cup, uh, what do you make of it thus far? We've come uh, to the end of the group stages. We now know who's going to be competing in the quarterfinals. What yes, do you say? Yes, Morocco. <laughs> Morocco representing. Morocco representing. Of course, in the beginning, I was like, ah, those guys. Because when you look at the Morocco team and you look at the French team, you're like, which one is the African team? <laughs> <laughs> the, the France team is more African than the, the African than the, the Morocco the African team. team, yes. <laughs> it's so funny, isn't it? And, yeah. Uh, when you look at the commentary, it seems to me, and a lot of people feel shy to discuss this, but North Africans really see themselves as Arabs more than Actually, they, Africans, they, don't they? They only identify as Africans when it, we are uh, interacting in, let's say, the World Cup, the Olympics. Away from that, they're Middle Eastern. They do not regard even Egyptians. Very few of exactly, them call themselves if, if Africans. You, if you look at the commentary from uh, the Arab world regarding how uh, well Morocco has been doing, they're claiming Morocco is theirs. Yes. and uh, you So know, there's a tug of war. <laughs> is Morocco for us, the blacks, or for the Arabs? But anyway, when you look at the map or geography for that matter, it says that uh, the Middle East starts from North Africa. I just don't know why we have to claim them. That's why when uh, there was a game Morocco was playing before this recent one, and I was like, ah, you know what? When mm. it comes to Morocco, I'm on the fence. Should I say they're African or should I just go with a team Me, just, of my liking? I'll just go ahead and say I don't think of Morocco or even North African countries as African. I think Africa really, for it to mean anything, we're referring to Sub-Saharan. Sub-Saharan. Where there's the black people. <laughs> no, I can easily call <laughs> Ethiopians African, Somalis Africans, but I am on the fence when it comes to Tunisia, Morocco, and all those But other here's countries. the funny thing, and like I said, if you were to talk to a Somalian or talk to an Ethiopian and ask them, are you African? They might hesitate to answer the question. They're not also Middle Eastern. Because Mid some uh, Ethiopians think themselves as Jews. <laughs> Do you know, it's so confusing, oh, isn't it? when you say that, when you say that, yeah, but they are more African than uh, North Africans. Anyway, maybe none of this matters. Look, we're all human beings, right? <laughs> we are all so human So let's enjoy uh, the, the, <laughs> the World, World Cup, Cup. <laughs> you know, and uh, for the teams that have been uh, knocked out, well done, you, you worked hard. Mm. And for those who got political and lost, well, uh, you got what you deserve. Yeah. Do better next time. Focus on the game and not the politics. This uh, whole uh, LGBT what? I mean, leave that for another day. Just come play your football. and Enjoy uh, your football. Enjoy your football and uh, do a good job. Yeah. That's what matters. By the way, the chairman, the president of the German Federation of Soccer resigned. Or oh, why? Because they what? They yeah, were, because uh, I think due to the poor performance in this uh, World Cup and even the previous one. Oh. The, was it the Russia one? Oh. Germany also didn't do so well. Um, different coaches have also been standing down. For most countries, even here in Africa, the countries that lost really? their coaches, some of their coaches had to stand down. 
quite interesting. Eh? Yeah. Ah, soccer, soccer, soccer. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Did you see that video of uh, the Cameroonian? I think he's Cameroonian by descent, but he lives in another country. His name is Ombolo, and uh, he, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he plays for a certain. Which team does he play for? I don't remember the team, but it is a white team. Okay, a nation from Europe. And uh, his goal is the one that uh, made Cameroon leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so people went to his father's home. You know, like it was a strike of sorts. I remember that. And people were like, hey, but if that's the country that has looked after him and given him opportunities, uh, he should feel no shame exactly plus he's a citizen of the other nation in as much as his descent is this side just like president judge Ware's son he's american and was playing for the american team but his father is an african president yeah but you see if uh, liberia had been playing and uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he scored against liberia i think oh. that would have made for a very sticky situation i know i know <laughs> Speaking of sticky situations, let us now turn our attention to what's happening in Kenya, where in Kenya they're planning to abolish boarding schools next year for students up to grade 9. So that's uh, students up to about 14 to 15 years. And this includes primary and junior secondary schools. They want to abolish boarding schools. Uh, in the Education Principal Secretary, Belio Kipsang, said he was speaking uh, to, at a head teacher's conference, and he said that parents would have to take their children to day schools. Now, he said that the government had made the decision to allow children to be under the care of their parents or guardians. Uh, children from nomadic, pastoralist communities will, however, be exempt from these rules. So, I guess uh, this will mainly apply to the city parents. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the parents uh, who are living in the city. So, he said that the government had made this uh, decision. And uh, so, that's just how it is. Now, Kenya has about 28% of its primary school children in boarding facilities. And uh, apparently this number was relatively high compared to other countries. It is the responsibility of parents to take care of their children. As first educators saying we can't outsource parenting to teachers. And I am in agreement. Well, you uh, are a parent and you, your children do go to boarding school. No, only my son. And he only joined boarding school when he was in P6. Uh, how would you take this? I mean, if, if this were to come to Uganda, such a rule that, you know, if you know, the boarding schools should be closed or children sent home, would that sit well with you? Because part of the reason why parents send kids to boarding school is to also just manage, it, it's also a time management issue. Parents are busy and uh, how, do, how would it work for you? Um, uh, anyway, it is, uh, I feel like it being a blanket uh, rule is uh, a bit too much because people have different reasons for sending their children to boarding schools. But I, for one, I feel like children as young as three, four, five, six, even seven should not be in boarding schools, especially the kids in kindergarten because I have gone to some schools where my son has been and I would see kids in baby class in boarding school. Now, if you visit such a school on a Saturday, you're going to find this child without shoes on them. Sometimes the t-shirt is designed. And then I've had stories from friends that went to boarding schools. Actually, Sarah one time told me a story of her boarding school in primary where kids in primary that were as young as seven and five would be forced to walk out in the cold take those morning showers like they make a line to go and make the do have the morning showers and then their metro never allowed them to wear their sweaters they would only wear sweaters on vd you know a lot of our boarding schools aren't that too far removed from concentration camps they are concentration in, camps. in terms of the <laughs> the facilities the infrastructure 
the feeding. I mean, literally, you're eating posher and beans. There you are. You're a six-year-old, seven-year-old. This is when you need the best nutrition to grow your body and to grow your brain. And you're feeding at the same level of a prisoner. Literally the same diet. Posher and beans, posher and beans. The same diet, yes. Uh, and then when you add on top of that uh, all the strenuous activities, the chores, the cleaning, and this, so forth. I mean, it's almost slavery. It is slavery. And now being removed from the care of the parent also uh, creates psychological problems. And the one thing parents, uh, I know they have their reasons, so I don't want to sound like I'm holier than most parents, but the one thing that most parents ignore, because there are parents who take children to boarding school simply because they don't want to be bothered. They don't want to wake up very early. They don't want to go through the traffic jam. They're the like, school commute, the exactly. school run, it's not... Uh, it's not a thing for them. Now, what they forget is that from zero to eight, those are the formative years of your child. Those are the times when children are supposed to be mentored and nurtured. And it can only be done if you're close. But you send a child as young as three to boarding school. If you do not have issues with maids, because some parents have had terrible issues with maids and i can maybe understand but if you do not have such issues honestly why are you sending your three-year-old four-year-old to a boarding school well let's say you're a single mother uh, and you work a job that's far from home and maybe you have to leave home very early and you're not back home until late in the evening uh you would simply have no ability to provide care for your child let's say you can't even afford say daycare or something so literally, if you had to keep the child or send the child to a day school, you would just you would simply not be there for them. And I don't know if that could potentially create a worse situation where now the child is just going to be roaming around, going to be in the community, would be vulnerable to exploitation and abuse from members in the community. Because the child would be maybe home all by themselves. And those are the... It's a catch-22. It's a catch-22, but those are some of the exceptions where I'm like, some people honestly have no option. But many people have options. Many people have family to help. Many people can afford um, maids and others can afford daycare. So in case you can afford all these things, Mm. if you have options, let boarding school not be an option for your child. Well, you're very passionate about this. So clearly, you've I'm given it a lot of thought. passionate about children. So, uh, <laughs> your son, is is he 15 yet? He's 15, yes. He made 15 end of last month. Ah, all right. Uh, so, if uh, the Kenyan rule were to come here, then possibly it might be okay for him to continue. But do you sometimes feel as though he would have been better off in a day school? No, not in secondary school. Actually, Why? I feel like this Kenyan rule should not apply to kids Hang in on a second. School. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> okay, so for the toddlers and the young kids, you're like, be at home. Yes. Uh, but uh, why when the children are in puberty, which is also a very critical developmental stage in their lives, oh, okay. do you want them to be away from their parents? Who is going to teach the kids about you know the teens about the birds and the bees and the how we their have, bodies are changing we, we have holidays for that but you see in secondary school you've seen day scholars kids will leave school at four and now because their hormones are raging because they have peer pressure it is very easy for them to go elsewhere before they come home so before you know it your kid not that kids in secondary school cannot get like preg- in, in boarding school cannot get pregnant or use drugs of course they do those things but i feel like a boarding school for secondary school kids is a more controlled environment. You don't think you're being selective I, about this because I honestly feel like <laughs> the same arguments could apply. I, um, because when I think about it, um, the guidance that a child needs to become a responsible adult, they need to get that guidance when they're teenagers. You see, that guidance they get when they're teenagers, but there, 
the school plus you, the parent, can do it together. But when they are young, you've not even taken time to nurture them because there are certain things we teach kids from home. They say charity begins at home, right? But if you've not taken time to teach your child anything and you just send them to the teachers, you're like this, uh, the, like this Kenyan minister, you're outsourcing the help. <laughs> it reaches a time when all the skills of life, life skills, are only inculcated into them by their teachers. What have you done as the parent? And why did you have children if you cannot take the time to sit down with them and teach them from when See, they're young? My point is, why would the same argument not be applied to you, who is advocating for, for secondary, secondary school, school? You see, by the time my child boarding. is in, in secondary school, he already has some, what do you call them, like values that have been instilled in them by me. My child knows that stealing is wrong, that doing ABCD is wrong because I've been doing this job way before they joined secondary school. Mm -hmm. So it makes it easier for the teachers in secondary school to, you know, add to what I have already put in place. Okay, now obviously, (laughs) um, and this is something that governments need to always consider. Like it's one thing to implement like a radical sweeping change in the way you do things, but you also have to think of the domino effect. So if, for example, you know, you don't just say, okay, we're shutting down schools for two years and not think about, okay, now how do we deal with all the psychological damage, the disruption in education? It's like, and that's the problem with governments is that they don't think that far ahead. And so um, for the people of Kenya, whose children now might be made to uh, study, uh, you know, to be day students and be at home, Okay, what provision is going to be made uh, for the parents? Is there going to be some advocacy of daycare facilities or a provision of affordable daycare for single working mothers? And the problem is that most of our African so. governments will come out with these uh, uh, rules, sweeping rules, but they have not put in place these things first. Because exactly. I, I would think that, let's say, if it is a workplace and you want uh, breastfeeding moms to come to work um, maybe a month or two months in that you have already provided for daycare services so that they can be able to go and breastfeed their children in intervals. You don't just say... Intervals? (laughs) Yeah, because kids are supposed to be fed. You don't just say come back to work one month after giving birth when you. Isn't maternity leave three months? It's supposed to be three months, but in some places people go back to work as early as four weeks. I in. guess they love their job. It's not loving the job. <laughs> it's because the economy is hard, and sometimes you're like, in as much as it kills me, I have to go. Well, back. that's if you're not granted paid maternity leave, which ideally you should be. Uh, right? You should be granted paid maternity leave and the maternity leave itself. Exactly. So in other words, you go for the leave and you're paid in your absence. But some people will pay you for a month and then they're like, we need you back to work after yeah, that month. Really? But fat boy, in four weeks, a baby is, I can't even say, it is still very fragile. Even at three months it is, but at four imagine, weeks yeah. it is so mm. fragile. Well, uh, things of children. These are very complicated <laughs> very things. Complicated. And uh, I like that uh, it seemed to have, uh, you know, it, it touched a special place in your heart. <laughs> this subject (laughs) well let's continue to explore other equally touching subjects that's what we like to do here have conversations about those very important issues it's your number one station rx radio and you're listening to the fat boy show uganda's king of radio unleashed and unplugged the fat boy show great music right here on rx radio